Welcome to the 15 past 15 podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Bettina Zorn, curator of the East Asia collection at the Weltmuseum Wien in Vienna. The East Asia collection comprises approximately 28,500 objects. Interestingly, the majority of these objects were collected in the 19th century. So exactly the period we have been talking about a lot in this podcast. So can you tell us a bit how all these objects ended up in Vienna? Yes. So, of course, there are a variety of sources. They were either requested by the curator to uh, mostly diplomatic staff working in that region, in uh, Shanghai or in Tokyo at that time. We also do have uh, collections by individuals, by travelers. And, for instance, in the case of uh, Japan, when Japan was participating um, in the World Exhibition in 1873 in Vienna, they sent about 6,000 objects uh, to Austria. But these are samples of uh, sources on how this uh, collection was built up. You mentioned Japan sent 6,000 objects. How many objects did China send? This is an interesting question, and you have to consider the different positions China and Japan took towards the uh, participation in a world exhibition. So um, Japan themselves, with the help of some um, translators and experts from Europe, they built up this exhibition according to a catalogue sent by the committee from Vienna to the invited countries. But China, for instance, the imperial China with the emperor, did not actively participate in the world exhibition. But on the other hand, they were organized by the foreigners, mainly by the consuls who had a network all over the country with the ports. And uh, this catalogue I mentioned, which was the same catalogue for all invited nations. So according to that catalogue, the, the network of this uh, diplomatic uh, corps was organising products from China. And uh, the objects in our collection from the Boxer Rebellion, they were um, given as a present to the Austrian-Hungarian emperor by his um, marine detachment, who was asked for help and uh, they entered China from the coast and went towards the, the hunting palace south of Beijing where, together with the Russians, they took the objects during the Boxer Rebellion. Can you describe one of the objects that ended up in Vienna at that oh, time? Yes, yes, yes. Um, the key object of the new China Gallery is this... Uh, lacquer screen, uh, parawan, um, part of which uh, the throne is in the Victor and Albert Museum via the Russian army. So it's a huge object which we know that Tianlong, it's uh, dated to Tianlong period, which we know that uh, Tianlong has been given to in or asked uh, to be uh, worked on as a gift to his mother turning 80. This parawan then was taken out of that uh, hunting palace, Nanheizi, south of Beijing, 
and given already to the Austrian emperor in the year 1902 and at that time already ended up in the museum. So this is then one object where you can already beautifully trace different trajectories of the past. And I think this also applies to the Japan collection. There the key object also tells a lot about perceptions of the past. Yes, exactly. I found it fascinating and it uh, puzzled me a long time because I could not, uh, I was not sure about the intention. Well, I'm still not sure about the intention, but now it's my view on that object because the key object in the uh, Japan, in the new Japan gallery, is a huge house model about uh, less than 15 square meters of uh, daimyo residency. The daimyo are the uh, feudal lords who together, about 260, uh, who together with the shogun reigned over at that time uh, Edo period uh, Japan. So the daimyo were asked by the shogun to keep residence in the capital Edo and um, I was puzzled because 1873, so this is the beginning of the new era, the Meiji period, and um, the shogunate is not anymore something actual for Japan, as the emperor returned uh, to the capital Tokyo. And I was wondering why at the beginning of this new period, Japan sent something which is more attached to an old period. And I was wondering. And so an, thinking, object, so an object symbolizing the past. Exactly, symbolizing its own Japanese past. And thinking back, I found maybe a solution for this. Imagine that Vienna at that time, let's say 70 to 72, the city of Vienna was being uh, rebuilt. There was an ongoing, um, ongoing uh, creation of new cities and enlarging of cities. Of course, London and Paris in the first half of the 19th right. century, but it was continuing. And in, in at that time, it was happening in in Vienna. So, of course, the committee in Vienna was interested to see how the new city dwellings looked like. That's why they put this on as a category. I see. And um, of course for Japan it was also in the new period but not yet uh, so far in remolding the city Edo becoming Tokyo. And But by function this, uh, this city dwellings by daimyos were comparable to my understanding to this new um, city palace in Vienna. That's why I think Japan sent something which was already passed for Japan by political meaning. I see. So it was not Japanese idea to represent its own past, but more to show wealth in building. And I think to find the equivalent, because it's always the problem of you so have to find the equivalent what another another culture, another period, of course, for, 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 for both uh, nations, for Austria, Un Hungary, and for Japan, it is a kind of um, new push towards city development. 
but um, the one already did the first step and Japan was in the beginning of that step. So they still had to refer to the old uh, past period. So the Daimyo residents could also be seen as a typical example of translation. Yes, exactly. And another question that is very interesting for us is how to communicate this to a broader audience, in your case, in the museum. So let's take the example of your latest exhibition in the newly opened Weltmuseum. How do you deal with these questions? By structure, we were in a, st in a strong frame of using limited words to explain a very complex topic by breaking down from a bigger text to a small text, you really have to find a line to combine the objects, which means to, for the visitor visiting the, the gallery from the beginning to the end. Of course, not everybody is doing this. On the other hand, we included a lot of media and the media provide some possibility for deepening some questions. Hopefully we are able to, to enlarge this media pool. Can you give one concrete example how you make use of media? Maybe let's take the cartoon culture, the manga. Cartoon or manga do have a long tradition in East Asia. And I wanted to follow up the manga tradition up to the 21st century. So I'm using this as an explanation in media how the, the uh, depiction of manga characters are used in the anime film, for instance. So you can uh, follow up and you even can recognize something from the 17th century reproduced in an anime film from 2015. Then, in a way, that would also be to make the connection between your, your collection, which is a historical con exactly. collection, yes. to the present. And there is also a connection to an older past, right? Because the collection comes, most of it is a 19th century collection, but not all items exactly. are from the 18th, 19th yes. century. Yes, yes, yes. So, how do you deal with that? How do you bring this into your story? Yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm Again, referring to my key object, the house model of the Daimyo residence, which is dating to an Edo period, produced in the beginning of the Meiji period, but with the old features of an Edo period uh, house, residency of uh, Daimyo. And my idea was, as the collection's objects still... Um, are dated to Edo period, which means 18th, mostly 18th and the beginning of the 19th century. So I'm using this in the Japan gallery for illustrating Edo period life on one hand. And on the other hand, in contrast, I'm already pointing out the differences and the developments Uh, starting with the Meiji period and the interaction uh, Japan and Europe by objects both directions. And if I remember correctly, in the China collection room, mm -hmm. yes. the older objects have a different meaning. Yes, I'm again referring to my uh, key object in the uh, China gallery, 
which is, as I would say, dividing the gallery into two parts. The part in front, the reddish carved lacquer green, with the Taoist picture of uh, Xi Wang Mu's birthday. And on the other uh, side, the darker one, reflecting to the um, Boxer Rebellion, the period when Europe looked at China differently. So this is the other part of the gallery. These have been a number of very interesting examples of how we frame the past, of how we look at the past, especially the past in a transcultural perspective. How do you see a collection like yours can help us to improve a general understanding of what was going on in this period, in the 19th century, but also how can it help us to think about the past? Yes, I think I forgot to mention that um, the aim of the new galleries was to use the collection and to find a um, historical moment where the collection of a region is linked to the history of Austria of Vienna uh, in general. So this is the main line uh, through all the storytelling in the gallery. One of my students uh, who did an internship in the museum asked another student from Japan um, how she felt um, represented in my new uh, Japan gallery. And I was astonished that an, an Austrian student is asking a Japanese student whether she found herself in this gallery, because I thought this was not my intention. My idea was first, uh, firsthand that us, we Austrians living and whose pa past it is, should know more on what was going on from our reaction. I wanted to stress about our part being involved in that story. And now, after having heard this question, do yes. you think more about the East Asian audience too? So still, I would like to inform the people living in Austria about the historical event they were involved in acting with the other culture. Thank you very much for sharing all this with us. And so, as Benjamin Britten's Sinfonia Directorium fades away, we bring this first series of 15 past 15 to a close. Sinfonia Directorium itself gets to the heart of uses of the past between East Asia and Europe, but that must be a story for another day. For the time being, we thank you for listening, for your feedback, and especially our interviewees for lending us their time. Most of all, we thank our wonderful colleagues at the Historische Seminar in the University of Zürich for helping us produce this podcast and everyone who helped publicize it. All being well with time and funding, Birgit and I will be back for a second series of 15 past 15 in January 2020. And in series two, we'll do our best to avoid the background sounds of ambulances, cars, drop pencils and all the other little side effects which we're sure have enhanced your listening experience. 
If you have any questions in the meantime or suggestions for future interviews, please send us an email. Thank you. Thank you.